Hey guys, welcome back to Yappy Hour, a podcast about navigating the waters of young adulthood through discussion of pop culture, existential crises, and self-reflection. I'm Kat. I'm Mia. And I'm Leah. And today we're going to be talking about beauty and appearance, which is a very subjective topic, um, but we kind of wanted to differentiate between Asian standards and American standards, um, talk a little bit about uh, what we find beautiful, and also how we think these standards may have changed over the years. So... I guess to get started, we can define these standards. Um, I think in general, a lot of cultures like pale skin. I think it's because it's a sign of wealth, Um, at least for the Philippines. If you have a darker skin tone, it means you like work in the fields. Whereas if you're paler, it means, you know, you're more indoors. Um, And I'd say big eyes are also a general Asian standard of beauty, which is why a lot of uh, people get double eyelid surgery. Um, do you guys have any other general Asian standard additions? It's funny because I feel like in some cultures, like when you're a kid, if you're like fat or chubby, like it's a sign that you're well fed, therefore your family like can afford to feed you. So you want your kids to be fat. But then I think when you get older, like the skinnier you are, the more desirable. I know for like a lot of girls specifically, like you want to be kind of skinny. Um, I don't often see like big boobs being like desired in like a lot of Asian culture, or, like big butts the way it is in American culture. Um, definitely like the more lean you are, I feel like. So it's interesting how it sort of transforms, but also between men and women, it's just different as well. I think overall, I would say that Asian stereotypes definitely for men and women, actually, I feel like they have trended more towards the feminine side of things so they have like softer jaw lines bigger eyes like for men you don't really see abs being desirable as mia said like there are just different standards for men and women but i think compared to american standards the asian expectations are more feminine in the american eye yeah i definitely agree with that i think that i've seen it to be desirable specifically for Japanese women to be on the not chubbier side but softer side not like not so muscular not so toned um, which I think is very different from American beauty standards or at least LA beauty standards to be specific since a lot of people in LA are all about health and fitness you kind of see that trend towards you know being like slim thick which is like skinny waist but really big butt and like big thighs you know I guess that also has to do with just Asian culture in general. Um, at least, you know, in Japanese standards, uh, women are supposed to be, like, more submissive. So having those very, like, feminine traits, like not being, like, stronger than men or, like, you know, having bigger muscles than men, it's understandable why that would be more desirable. I also don't know if this is considered, like, a desirable trait, but, like, Asians often have less hair on their bodies than like Americans and like I just noticed like even men like they don't grow facial hair as much they don't have like body hair as much and I think for women too like any sort of I mean honestly women with facial hair is sort of frowned upon in a lot of cultures unfortunately but especially so I think with Asian culture um like you're supposed to have long luscious hair on your head but hair anywhere else is sort of really like seen as bad and and for men too yeah they just don't grow hair so it's like it's it's just strange too so within america i feel like as you mentioned kat there's definitely the la beauty standard so i feel like in america there's a 
broader spectrum of beauty. For example, Kat, you mentioned there's the LA standard of being maybe slim thick. In Hawaii, we grew up desiring to be tan and just having a general slim bikini body ready, which ne didn't necessarily mean a big butt or abs. It just meant you were slim. Do you think there's still a spectrum across Asian standards? We kind of generalize them as hairless, slim, um, overall feminine, but do you think there's the same range of beauty standards or is it more uniform? I think since none of us have really like experienced the culture of like, you know, China or Japan like fully, it'd be hard to say what the beauty standards are there. But I can say that there are differences between trends such as makeup and fashion between the different cultures. Um, I noticed this when I was studying abroad in Japan. You could definitely tell which study abroad students were from China or Korea and then which ones were local Japanese girls. Um, I guess like very briefly, one of the major differences was that Korean girls, um, like they draw their eyebrows thicker and they wear kind of heavier makeup, whereas the Chinese girls wore really red lipstick. So those were kind of like just very obvious differences. And also with fashion, uh, Japanese girls tended to be more conservative. So their skirts were longer. Korean girls wore really short skirts, like even when it was cold outside. And then, um, even with the men, the men from Korea, even their shorts were on the shorter sides. Like, I've never seen so many kneecaps before, you know? <laughs> so I'm not sure about beauty standards specifically, but as for trends, you can definitely tell the difference. I think there's also a difference between Asian standards and Asian American beauty standards. Um, since I was in an Asian sorority, I definitely saw these trends. I've never wanted to dye my hair more than after I joined an Asian sorority because everyone had ombre hair. It was kind of ridiculous, but it's also really expensive. So I thought that was kind of an interesting trend. And then there's also that, you know, ABG kind of culture. Um, Mia, do you want to explain what an ABG is? So I feel like traditionally an ABG has a bit of a negative connotation where it's sort of an uh, Asian girl who's a little ratchet and like, someone who goes to the club and wears like sort of scandalous clothing short kind of revealing and they travel in like a posse and they um i don't know they're just a little bit oh yeah they have uh they have colored eye contacts so their eyes are a different color and they have tattoos and it's more so changed nowadays where i feel like abgs have like reclaimed the word abg and like if you were to meet an abg also, it stands for Asian baby girl. I didn't say that, but it stands for Asian baby girl. Um, but now sort of ABGs have reclaimed it. So where they're like proud to be an ABG and um, it kind of means that you're you go out a lot and you have fun with your friends and you drink and club. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing anymore, but I, I would not consider myself an ABG. I think ABGs definitely have a spot in Asian American culture and like let them be whoever they want to be and there's nothing wrong with being an abg <laughs> there's always those memes about like you know abg starter pack with like the jewel in one hand and the boba in the other and i think those are really funny i'm not sure how abgs feel about those if they like actually identify with those but honestly Asian abgs are bad bitches like <laughs> they're very strong independent women and i don't think i think mia's right where it used to seem like a negative connotation but nowadays like you know people own it i think that's a very LA thing to do is just, you know, kind of own your sense of style and fashion and kind of own those beauty standards. So I guess another thing about 
American beauty standards is it's very influenced by pop culture. Um, do you think there's any like big social media influencers that really kind of feed into our standards of beauty, Leah? I think with the rise of social media, be it YouTube, Instagram, even Twitch, just things that make others more visible, there has definitely been a shift in the standard of beauty. I feel like Facetune's a big one. We can talk about that in a social media episode or maybe more along those lines, but I think Facetune and editing has become something that's so mainstream that it alters that perception of beauty to something that's so unrealistic. And it's kind of crazy to think that this has always existed. I mean, we grew up around magazines. Lord knows those aren't real untouched photos, but it's just magnified with the daily content we see with people posting daily, weekly, that desire for catching people's eyes and attention. I feel like the beauty standard is 1000% changing every single day and honestly kind of becoming more unrealistic. I think too, it's like, if we're talking about pop culture, like I know growing up, the only Asian female that was like in the spotlight was like Lucy Liu like the only one I knew and so I didn't have any Asian female role models growing up that I could like mimic or aspire to in terms of beauty because everything I saw was just white Um, and so I think that really skewed my perception of Asian beauty or just beauty in general um, because I didn't see anyone that looked like me and so therefore like anything that I did to myself to try to make myself more beautiful reflected a more like western look so i do think there is that positive aspect of the social media content in normalizing asian standards or different types of asians i mean we talked about the traditional standard and then kind of the la abg but i do think there are some positive aspects of seeing the various spectrum and maybe having more perspective and exposure to asian women That's a really interesting thought. I didn't think about that because when I think of beauty standards, I always reference the Kardashians because they just seem like the universal appeal, like not even just in America. I feel like a lot of international people know who they are, think they're very beautiful. I mean, Kylie Jenner has like, I think she has the the most paid Instagram posts. Um, So I just, that's what I think of when I think of beauty standards. But I think it is important to realize that There's a lot more diversity these days when we look at models and when we look at influencers. Um, And I feel like the Kardashians actually have a hard time like keeping up with these trends because they've gotten like all these different surgeries and it's to keep up with this ever-changing beauty standard. Like in the 90s, I just remember Britney Spears was really big and she and like Destiny's Child and they were all really, really skinny. Like it wasn't like a huge desire to have like a really curvy body but nowadays like that is the desire and even like plumper lips you know and like thicker eyebrows like back in the 90s we all had you know thinner eyebrows um but I think it's interesting to think about how how quickly these beauty standards change and really how they've just evolved over the years with the diversification of it in addition to beauty standards I feel like one I guess backtracking a little bit but stereotype about Asians when it comes to beauty is like (laughs) uh, Asians like really like designer brands and like designer clothes and designer like anything like high-end so I think with the emergence of 
like more representation in you know social media or um movies or like music too um the asian idea of beauty is a little bit skewed too because like not everyone can afford versace or like balenciaga you know so but those are the brands that a lot of asians gravitate towards because it's it's an it's an icon and like you're saying something about yourself without actually having to say it and so yeah it's definitely harder to aspire or harder to achieve like this perfect asian beauty because yeah these brands are like really how they present themselves or a lot of asians present themselves at least in america do you think that um now that you're you've been living in la for a while surrounded by more asians and having more asian friends do you think that asian beauty standards influence you more than american beauty standards now i definitely think i'm more influenced by asian standards now in la i do think it's important to note that i as a person am not a very honestly i'm not fashionable and i'm not like really in with beauty trends like it's just not something that I have an interest in like I'll put on makeup for a special occasion but like other than that I don't wear makeup and so I am more influenced in the sense that like when I first started using like Asian branded uh foundation for example that like fit my skin tone for the first time because everything I was using before in high school was like didn't have the right undertones and then ever since I got to LA I've been discovering more makeup that is suited for my skin and that was definitely influenced by the fact of being in LA but in terms of like my fashion sense like I wouldn't say so and then in terms of other in terms of other beauty standards like we can talk about this later but like I did get my eyebrows microbladed which like I didn't even know was a thing growing up and then I come to LA and everyone has perfect eyebrows and then all of a sudden I feel really peer pressured um and so that's definitely something that I did in LA that I probably would have never thought to do before that's funny you mentioned your eyebrows because I was actually the one who pushed Mia to get them done and I think that I also have been influenced by being around Asian beauty and being more exposed to LA standards of beauty that I kind of did also get my eyebrows microbladed because I wanted to live up to that expectation and that standard. But it's such a interesting thing to realize that despite being raised in an Asian culture in Hawaii, that there are completely different Asian standards between Hawaii and LA. LA has definitely made me more aware of my appearance I feel like in Hawaii honestly all my friends kind of look like me like whenever my dad would pick me up from school he'd always joke like I thought that girl was you but then you you didn't she didn't get in the car and so I realized it wasn't you so I feel like I always just fit into those standards in Hawaii um I don't know if like it's this weird phenomenon that we all look the same but we just all had the same body type all were the same height all were you know had long black hair but when I came here I felt really pressured to keep up with the fashion trends especially in a sorority like we would always go out a lot go to parties everyone would kind of wear the same kind of thing and I felt like I had to fit into that but it was kind of a waste so whoever is out there who's listening to this who hasn't like gone to college yet don't change your style for the people you hang out with because literally after college you're not going to be able to wear any of those clothes anyway so all of those you know short shorts and crop tops kind of are going to waste right now because I just wear work clothes all the time but yeah, in, t- in terms of fashion, that definitely changed. I feel like I also got a lot more into makeup moving here because all of my friends were into like watching all the makeup artists on YouTube. 
I had no idea what, you know, contouring and highlighting was before coming here. And even my friends back home, if I buy them expensive makeup, I don't think they'd appreciate it because they're not really into makeup either. People in Hawaii are more into like natural beauty and everyone's so active that it's like kind of pointless to wear false eyelashes to the beach, you know? I will say before coming to LA, I had never worn false eyelashes before, like on a fairly regular or day-to-day basis, like going out or special events that had never crossed my mind before. And coming here, it's definitely become like my baseline. It's like if I'm going out, if I'm doing anything, I want to have my lashes on. And I don't know if that's because I'm growing up and maturing or if it's just because of societal pressures and my idea of beauty. So would you say that what you think is beautiful now, do you think that is mostly influenced by your surroundings or do you think, you know, you kind of always grew up with this desire for longer, fuller eyelashes? It's definitely influenced by what I'm surrounded with. It goes through waves though. Sometimes I look at all of these like makeup YouTubers or Instagrammers and I just want to emulate what they're doing and that's really hard sometimes and I feel a lot of pressure and I feel like it wasn't always like that so if I were to remove myself from Instagram YouTube like there are weeks where I don't go on it because I actually feel so like insecure or unhappy with myself that that's really the only way I can cleanse myself and kind of reset and really embrace my features without hating on them it's interesting that you say that you're more influenced or than you would like to be because you're in LA because I feel like ever since college I've been less concerned with beauty standards and like less even less pressured to I don't know be yeah be someone I'm not like I've very much settled into like a comfortable just acceptance of my fashion and like beauty like I don't care to I don't know. I don't care to be uncomfortable in order to be fashionable, if that makes sense. So I wear comfortable clothing. I I don't put on false lashes. Like, the maximum amount of makeup I'll do is just, like, foundation and, like, lip or something. But other than that, I feel even less pressure. And then I do watch YouTube videos on makeup, but I think I only do that because I like... It's, like, therapeutic to see someone else put on makeup, but I don't necessarily ever try to, like emulate that on myself and I do think it's interesting because LA LA sometimes feels like everyone is trying to be someone and I've sort of fallen into a role where I'm like really low-key about it and like I don't care to stand out at all until pretty recently I had always wished I had bigger boobs like it was just like a huge insecurity I had because you know everyone was going through puberty and they all of a sudden had boobs and I was like hmm when's mine coming in but they just wouldn't and I, I was just, I was so obsessed with it. Like, I don't think I've ever thought about getting a boob job, but I was just like, what, like, if there was a natural way to just, like, get boobs, I wanted it to happen. You know, people say drink soy milk and do these chest exercises yeah, do or some whatever. bench press. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is a myth. Um, anyone listening to this, if you work out, you're not going to grow boobs. Um, <laughs> grow <but>, pecs. <laughs> yeah. So that was something, it wasn't, an unhealthy obsession I'd say but it just like would make me feel really sad about myself and then after a while I realized like they're just boobs like honestly when you grow older they're just gonna sag and like they get in the way of things they give people back pain like I 
I, I had a finally accepted, like, you know, it's better this way. Also, I don't think it would fit my body type. But then when the new wave of having a big butt came in, I was obsessed with that too. And I would do not an insane amount of squats, but I would squat a lot. And it just, it never happened. Like I never got the butt I wanted, but then I just realized like, as Leo was saying, with the influence of social media, it can be really toxic to have those standards because a lot of people get what's called a Brazilian butt lift, which I didn't know existed, <laughs> but are like hip fillers. And then I just realized like, you know, as long as I'm like really healthy and I'm, I'm strong and I feel good, then these beauty standards, they're not so important anymore. And honestly, we're all going to get old and wrinkly. So like whatever, honestly. <laughs> but I actually wanted to ask you guys. This is going to be kind of a weird question, and I think, Mia, you might struggle with it after hearing your last answer, but what do you find beautiful? Like, if if you could, like, construct the, your ideal beautiful woman, this is a weird question, what would she look like? I guess, like, the first thing that pops into my mind is, I think long hair is really pr- pretty, and I've had long hair ever since I was little, so that, that would definitely be on, like, my model, um... I also think tan skin because I'm from Hawaii. I think freckles are really cute, honestly. <laughs> so those are just like some some examples. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I think when I look at like actresses and stuff, um, I think the things that stand or stand out that I would consider beautiful is like nice hair, obviously long hair, um, tan skin as well. But also, I like I think I like mixed like people like mixed races a lot. I think sometimes. Um, less so beautiful and more like, and I don't mean this negatively, but like more unique looking. I think when someone is like uniquely their own in the way they look, that to me is really beautiful in itself. Um, and then teeth for me, it's like teeth, like people with quirky teeth, like I get it. I'm not telling you to change your teeth. You do what you want in your life, but I like when people have like a nice smile. Yeah. I mean, my perception of beauty is, and this is so cliched, but like more who they are on the inside, but like if we're speaking subjectively about like outer beauty um definitely the face and the teeth if i were to pinpoint one aspect of beauty that i really love i think it would be eyes for so long i've wanted double eyelid surgery and i just (laughs) view it as more desirable and i don't know if it's just the western influence saying bigger eyes are better but that's just always something that i've yearned for and kind of envy with like Asians who have bigger eyes be it mixed or I don't know maybe they're just lucky and they have big eyes proportionate to their face but that's kind of been a weird standard for me but I think growing up it's really a double-edged sword for myself like I'm so critical with my own beauty but when it comes to other people what I find most beautiful is confidence and it's really just how someone presents themselves and how they hold themselves because if they're confident and they don't give a crap about what they're wearing what they're doing or how they look I just find that beautiful and I think it's ironic because I can't do the same for myself I can't tell myself be confident you'll be beautiful no matter what Um, and I'm just so much more critical but in a completely objective perspective of looking at someone else confidence and the way someone holds themselves is most beautiful to me do you think you would ever get double eyelid surgery leah honestly i've looked into it i like i 1000 percent looked into the cost i've pretended to like do a consultation but i really don't know like why i want it and like half of me is like i just want to be able to do the perfect cat-eyed wing you know but I don't know. I don't think I could go through with it right now just because it seems very daunting and it is permanent. Like 
beauty trends fade and big butts might be in this year but small butts could be in in 10 years and my eyelids despite me wanting it I'm gonna have to live with this for the rest of my life so I need to kind I'm kind of kind of trying to understand and accept myself the way I am without altering anything Leah, I've been staring at your eyes for the past five minutes, and you have double eyelids. <laughs> no, but it's very slight. They're still hooded. Like, I want that typical Western Eurocentric fold where you can see your eyeliner when you do it, when you can put eyeshadow and see it when your eyes are open. Like, I don't know where that came from because there are plenty of Asian models, actresses that I find beautiful and they don't have double eyelid surgery. So I think it's just one of those things where you're hypercritical to your, towards yourself. And that's kind of more, as Mia said, an inner issue and like working on my own confidence and inner beauty. You brought up a really interesting point how that double eyelid look is like a, like a European kind of look, but we just talked about how Asians want that look. So in the sense that some Asian beauty standards are based on, like, you know, more Caucasian features, I actually saw this one product in the store. I'll never forget. It was, like, a clip that you pinch on your nose to make the bridge <laughs> of your that. nose higher. So, you know, like, a more, like, Western nose or, like, bigger eyes. In the sense that Asian standards can be based on Caucasian standards, do you think there's, like, a flip? Or are there any other examples of, like, cross-cultural standards? I think a big one is skin tone. As you mentioned earlier, that desire for lots of Asians to be a bit pale. And it's kind of a weird cross between whether it's cultural in the sense that being in the sun is not desirable and means you're of lower class, or if it's the desire to reflect Western standards and that beauty. So ever since this like huge K-pop wave has hit, I feel like I'm starting to see a lot more people... Um, do kind of like a like a nine step skincare routine, um, and also more like Korean style makeup. Actually, like you know, less defined eyebrows, a little bit thicker, a little bit softer. N- not so much cat eyes, but also like softer, like like crayon um, eyeliner, um, and also like lip tint. If you guys know what that is, mm-hmm. yeah, like I didn't know what that is, but a lot of Koreans, you know, use it, and a lot of Asians use it. Um, so just kind of that trend too and even like going back to the hair like I feel like I see a lot more like dyed hair like we've kind of strayed away from ombre and I see a lot of girls doing like the full head of like gray hair which is kind of funny to me I know Leah you dyed your hair gray (laughs) I know just just bash me (laughs) just for a moment but you know we're all gonna have gray hair in like yeah a a few decades it's so hard to maintain don't do it guys unless you have two hundred dollars to blow every two weeks it's not worth it Maybe any colored hair is hard to maintain and expensive. Like As my, Asians with black hair. My yeah. purple faded within like less than a month. So and then you're just left with ombre, like bleached ombre. So I think that's why people do it. It's like that's the only <laughs> thing that they can maintain. But going back to this kind of like K-pop wave, um, there all this like Korean skincare products are just like, they've been around for a long time, but a lot of people just didn't know about it until there was more exposure to it. Like BB cream, CC cream, um, like, all these different types of face masks, like, not just the sheet masks, but, like, the clay masks, emulsions, um, essences, like, uh, guys, if you don't know what a nine-step skin routine is, just look it up, and <laughs> imagine people doing this, like, every morning, every night, like, religiously, it's kind of insane. 
I read an article recently about how a lot of makeup techniques that are starting to get more popular, like contouring and like baking even. If you guys don't know what baking is, it's when you use like translucent setting powder um, and you put it on your face for like 10 minutes and it uses the heat of your skin to kind of set your makeup. I read that's actually a technique that was used for a really long time in the drag community, which is, yeah, Mia's nodding, which is like very interesting because, you know, we we don't, I feel like we don't give enough credit to them because they've been used, they, they really know how to do makeup and we're just taking all of their techniques, you know? So Kat, on the topic of skincare, I know you're a big fan of Innisfree, which is a Korean skincare brand. Do you have a nine step process you take every night? You know, it changes depending on how much money I have <laughs> um, and how much like effort I want to put in. But I'd say I have like a, a, a four step skin routine so i'll always cleanse tone uh put on like an essence or like a like a concentrate of some sort like vitamin c and then moisturizer and those are the four i know i'm missing a key step which is sunscreen and (laughs) i know it's really bad not to wear sunscreen but i just like don't unless i'm like going to the beach or spending a lot of times outdoors but that's basically it i'll like treat myself to like a face scrub or like a sheet mask like twice a week but um, that's pretty much it. And then I do that every morning and every night. I still don't really know what the hype around eye cream is. I have a, a sample that I use, but I don't know if I've seen any change. And I've read somewhere that eye cream is made of the same stuff as a moisturizer, basically. But but they upcharge the price. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> don't give into that scam. Um, but yeah, how about you, Mia? Do you have like a set skincare routine or are you like those people who wash their face with shampoo? <laughs> 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 no, I don't wash my face with shampoo, but my skincare routine is fairly simple. I'll use like a cleanser and then I'll use like either a toner or an astringent if like I want a deeper clean. And then I'll use a moisturizer with SPF because even at night I strong. Well, my yeah, I mean, my moisturizer just has SPF in it. So um, but I strongly believe in SPF. Um, I'm definitely more focused on skincare right now than makeup so um occasionally like i'll do a mask and then after um that after i've moisturized and cleaned and everything um i usually put on like a serum like i usually use like a vitamin c serum um because i do have like old acne dark spots other than that i try to keep it fairly simple uh and i'm actually looking for a new serum if anyone knows of one i'm looking for like kind of an everyday serum um, and then what else do I usually do? I'll usually, what, if my eyes are looking like a little tired, I'll use an eye cream, but that's basically it. Honestly, skin. same. I'm super boring with my skin. Like I'll wash my face in the shower and then after that, I'll just tone it once and put some moisturizer and then call it a night. And I do this weird thing where I put Vaseline on my eyelashes just to make them, well, I don't know if it works, but because I think they will grow longer, but Mia, you brought up that your priority now is skincare. And I was kind of thinking, like, when did that become a thing? Because before, when I first started getting into makeup, my focus was eyeliner. I put that shit on like like a crayon, like a Sharpie. That was my focus. And for a, lot of, for a long time, that was my focus. I wanted to get good at eyeliner. I wanted to get good at eyeshadow. But as Kat mentioned, that Korean wave, and I'm kind of realizing all of that influence it's had even with skincare particularly sheet masks and it's so prevalent even though it's like an asian standard yeah i kind of 
I think it's funny when I go into Sephora and I see like the skincare, they definitely started their skincare products and I think like these are definitely upcharged. Like you can go to like a Korean skincare store and get like way cheaper stuff that's like, you know, the OG stuff. But then you have these like American companies trying to co- copy them and make these like more expensive things. Um, yeah, Kat, on the topic of replicas or like cheaper products, um, like there's this whole community on youtube that finds like dupes for products so that's basically they find uh high-end products and then they find the low-end version that are pretty much identical and i know you can find a dupe for almost any high-end product um whether it be like moisturizer or eyeliner or any type of makeup like dupes exist because i think that the makeup and the skincare industry they kind of prey on our on people's insecurities and they make you think that if you invest this large amount of money on a product that it'll transform your skin and you'll finally start to love yourself. And so I think it's, it's yeah, it's super toxic. I mean, you find this sort of toxic behavior in magazines as well with models and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we live in a capitalist society. And so these brands are out to make money um, and they kind of prey on our insecurities to make sure that they, they do make money. So it's unfortunate, but true. I definitely still fall for it, though, because I'm such a brand girl. Like, if there's a brand that I'm loyal to, like, I'm really loyal to Too Faced, I will just buy all their stuff, even if I can buy something cheaper. And it's it's really hard to, like, just not use things that you trust and also things that bigger names, like, you know, a lot of makeup artists do a lot of tutorials. And when I see them using something, I'll be like, okay, it looks good on them. I'm just going to get this one because <laughs> I, I trust it, you know? Yeah, Kat, that really reminded me of when there was that whole scandal when Kylie came out with her first lip kit ever, and then people bought that, and then they found out that she had used either intentionally or unintentionally, but regardless, it was the same exact formula as ColourPop's lipsticks, and um, the price differentiation was like close to like 20 bucks or something, but it just goes to show that brands they carry a lot of brand loyalty but in some cases um there is always a cheaper alternative that's pretty surprising to hear because ColourPop is really cheap like they are bang for your buck if you're on a budget shop at ColourPop. we're not sponsored anyway but you know ColourPop you want to send some stuff to us you know that'd be really nice but yeah ColourPop is definitely i'm definitely a follower of ColourPop. um i recently bought eyelashes from them or fake lashes uh during their black friday sales like five dollars each and they're actually pretty quality like i'm pretty pretty happy with them i've actually found that cheaper eyelashes for me i tend to like them better like ones from like daiso and like ColourPop, rather than like higher end ones from like sephora which are like ten dollars sometimes 30 even 30 yeah if you get those like velour i don't know foaming Okay, I do way too much research on lashes, but they can get up to $30. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of makeup, it'd be interesting to hear each of our makeup routines, which I'm sure are all very different. Like, even just one time when I was going out with Leah, like, watching her do her makeup, I was like, oh, you do it in that order? And I, was like, <laughs> I do it in this order, but let's just uh, each, like, briefly go through our makeup routine, and if you have any, like what any products that you're super loyal to and use like every single day then you can also also mention those so the weird order cat's referencing is the fact that i do my eyeshadow and like basically all of my eyes if i'm going out eyeliner shadow lashes i do that 
first instead of my skincare and that's because I have a big forehead and when I'm scrunching my eyes to make them bigger to get eyeliner in my creases or wherever it is be detailed about it everyone I raise my eyebrows and if I put on foundation first it creases and you can't go around with having three lines on your forehead after your foundation is creased so I do my eyes first and skin last it's like the perfect finishing touch that puts everything together for me you need to bake that's that's the point of baking no. so that you don't get those creases i'm telling you i just have a lot of excess skin on my forehead and when i raise my eyes it it scrunches so it just works for me and i do my eyes first <laughs> what are what are your um the products you've been using since day one honestly i do whatever is like cheap or on sale like i'm not really a brand person actually that's a lie i <laughs> cat, cat caught me i am a brand person but when it comes to makeup i feel like i do drugstore or sephora like it doesn't really matter whatever is kind of on sale like i've i've used maybelline l'oreal to the kat von d eyeliner but at 30 dollars for like 0.1 ounces i just can't justify that for something that i really don't use too often so it's interesting that you say that because for me, I have makeup products that I always go to because I never run out of them. So are you saying you, you run out of these products like consistently or do you just buy new ones like whenever? Well, for certain, I guess I'm, I use a lot of eye products, I'd say. So mascara dries really quickly. So if I don't use it a lot, I don't see the purpose in investing in a $45 mascara that's going to dry up in six weeks. Eyeliner... I feel like I don't use too often, but the formula I feel like is consistent for all products, so it doesn't really make a big difference from for me. But do you ever run out of eyeliner? Yeah, and I just go buy like drugstore. <laughs> I've literally never hit pan or run out of anything, so that's really interesting to me. And I also I also know that it's really bad not to replace your makeup because you know bacteria and stuff grows on it. But I don't care. I'm really cheap, and if I paid forty dollars for this eyeshadow palette, I'm going to use it till I die. <laughs> anyway what about you Mia my makeup routine is along the same lines where I go cheap as well and convenient I will say the only thing I don't do drugstore is for my found is for foundation because I've just found I've been through every foundation at the drugstore and like I never have found either my color or like the right texture tone like you know like dewy or matte you know I've never found something that doesn't cake or doesn't um separate on my face so I don't do drugstore foundation anymore I have this really obscure like British <laughs> brand that I found once and it actually like is perfect for my skin and it's really cheap so I've just been using that for years um in terms of yeah I don't really run out of stuff again because I don't put on makeup that often but I'll usually do foundation or primer foundation um and then eyebrows and then blush, and then lips, but I don't do eyeshadow again, because I don't have eyelids to hold <laughs> eyeshadow, so it doesn't, like, if anything, I'll put on, like, one color on my eyelid, because I don't have, I don't have the eyelid space for, like, the, the blending. I mean, and same, the, even yeah. when I do three, they just look, they end up exactly. a nice nude brown. <laughs> yeah, I have this, like, one Ulta brand eyeshadow palette that I got once like in a gift set for free when I bought something and I just that's my go-to because it's easy and like it's, it was free so um and then occasionally I'll like do mascara um 
but it's really simple because again I don't put on makeup that often and I don't have the budget for it and if I am going to spend money I want to spend it on skincare. It's interesting that you said blush because I never wear blush and I, I I have blush I've just I've worn it once maybe for like a school picture but blush scares me honestly I feel like you can just use way too much of it way too easily. Um, I got but, it as a gift <laughs> from from me. Nice. <laughs> I got it as a gift, and it's from Tarte. And I never have bought blush besides I never bought blush. Period. But then I got this blush as as a gift, and I was like, why not? Yeah, but, the blush I have is also Tarte. <laughs> yeah, but I guess uh, I don't wear makeup most days. Like I don't even wear makeup to work or anything. Um, so I'll just tell you guys my like most extreme makeup routine, which is when I go out. I always do my eyebrows first because I feel like it just like frames the face. And I'll put on primer, um, foundation. I use Fenty because people have told me it like matches my skin tone really well. I mean, they have like, you know, 500 different shades, so that makes sense. And then I put on the... The ABG lashes. Well, first I put on the eyeshadow. I do a lot of blending. I put on eyeliner even though it always rubs off because I have really oily eyelids and I use the Bobbi Brown pot eyeliner which still freaking rubs off on my eyelids. So that's why I have the eyeshadow to like hide that. And then I put on the lashes and then I do contouring and I do highlighting and then I put on the setting powder and the setting spray. So basically everything but blush. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll put on like lip product but the problem with me is I'm constantly like licking my lips so that's like no bueno, you know. If you asked me what my makeup routine was five years ago, it would literally be foundation, eyeliner, mascara. That's it. Oh, and brows. Brows are always a must because I have no eyebrows. But I got the microbladed like uh, Mia and Leah did, so now we're pretty good. I guess I have a question on our makeup routines because we're talking about beauty and standards and even sometimes our insecurities. To what extent do you think that your use of makeup is to enhance your confidence and your unique facial features as compared to hiding those insecurities you may have about your face i've always had acne growing up um my my family just has a really bad history of acne me and my both of my brothers used um prescription acne ointment growing up um and even now i still have problems with acne as an adult they tell you it goes away after puberty it doesn't go away (laughs) but so i'd say like foundation is what I wear to cover up all of those skin impurities but while I do use foundation to cover up those kind of imperfections it's not really something that is on my mind all the time because as I said I don't even wear makeup to work which is where I'm at most of the time I only really wear makeup when I go out like at night with friends um so while I do try to hide that I don't try to hide it like every single day every single hour of my life it's just when I guess you know when you're Around other people who are wearing a lot of makeup, I feel the need to wear a lot of makeup too because I want to meet that kind of standard that everyone is is meeting, if that makes sense. In terms of everything else, um, like I really only put on lashes because it looks good with eyeshadow and so forth. It's not really to like hide smaller eyes or like kind of highlight anything. It's just really putting on makeup is fun. So I think I just do it for the process and going out. I'm in the same exact boat as Kat. Like, I also had acne all through my childhood and honestly very well into now. Um, But 
I too wear makeup if I'm going out to cover up like old acne scars or old dark marks. Um, that being said, I actually do like what I look like with makeup on. So it's not that I put on makeup just to hide these things. Like I actually do look like what my face looks like when I have makeup on. It just really is a day-to-day thing. It's pure laziness. Like I don't have the time or resources to be putting on makeup every day. And so it's more of a convenience thing. Also, my pet, pet peeve with makeup is that you can't touch your face. And I... Not that I touch my face a lot, but I don't like the feeling of not being able to touch my face. Like, leaning on my hand or, like, hugging someone. Like, I always just get so embarrassed when I would hug someone and my makeup would come off on their shirt or something. Or on whatever they were wearing. That used to really, like, annoy me. Um, And so, for me, at this point, on a day-to-day, it's just more of an inconvenience to wear makeup. But when I do go out, I do like what I look like with makeup on. So, again, I like the process. And um, it's not just for hiding. I actually do feel better about myself as what makeup should be. I feel like there is an emphasis with the capitalist society to sell products that kind of, as you mentioned, capitalize on your insecurities. But I would say my first introduction to makeup, like using a lot of eyeliner, I think that did stem from like trying to draw away from other aspects of my face. If it were a pimple, maybe it's like my chubby cheeks or maybe it's even like my body I was fairly chubby in high school so I feel like I did use makeup almost as a distraction or something that draws away from other parts of my insecurities I guess on the flip side I wanted to kind of broaden our topic again back to just beauty and appearance in general um hearing you guys talk about what we just talked about made me think of how I used to really try to accentuate features about myself that people kind of held a standard for me. So this, it sounds weird, but let me just give an example. So growing up, I was always really small, like just like very petite. And I always felt this pressure to be the skinniest person like in the room. And even like with what I would wear, I would always wear really tight things to kind of like show that off. And it sounds kind of weird saying it out loud and it sounds kind of ridiculous, but really that, that put a lot of pressure on me growing up. I always felt that I had to maintain the certain weight, re- maintain the certain look, maintain the certain like fitness. So I was wondering if you guys have any like experiences like that, maybe like holding yourself to a certain standard or holding yourself to other people's standards and how that kind of impacted you. So for me, a lot of that is tied to body image in general. I was... So I have a burn on my right leg that I got when I was around eight years old. And that was always something that I was so ashamed of. Like it was something completely out of my control, but it's a big scar. I had to get plastic surgery. It was technically a third degree burn. And it was a really traumatizing event in my life as a young child. And so that kind of spiraled me into this negative headspace as an eight-year-old being overly conscious about my body and what I looked like and I would always go to extreme lengths to hide my burn and that just kind of turned into a saga of me overeating being insecure and like ultimately gaining weight and I lost a lot of that in high school fairly rapidly and and I remember being praised for it everyone was like oh my god Leah how did you do that that's amazing you look so good and like I was almost put on this pedestal people were asking me for advice on how to lose weight and like it felt good to kind of be recognized for your achievements but at the same time it made me feel so bad because no one saw me 
in my past self. Like I was now just the girl who lost a lot of weight. And so that standard and that expectation from others has completely changed my life in such a like different way because even now as an adult, it's something that I'm just constantly hyper aware of. And so when those things happen at such young ages, it's traumatizing and it can like absolutely change your perception of yourself. Yeah, I totally second that. I I have been the same weight since like my freshman year of high school. Like I have maybe fluctuated five pounds here and there, but I've maintained the same weight. There's been periods where I've been able to like lose weight, but it hasn't been in the most sustainable ways. Like the first one was I was able to drop like 10 pounds from like exercising for a whole summer. But again, not not sustainable. I wasn't doing anything. I was just like exercising basically. And then the other time was when I had surgery and I lost a bunch of weight, but for something unrelated. But yeah, I've been the same weight for my, for as long as I can remember. And for me, it's as a kid, I'm not like, a super skinny person and so for me as a kid I always felt like I justified my weight by being super active and athletic like I could justify my size or my build by by just saying like oh I do a ton of sports or like I'm always like on the move and like it 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 brought out a real competitiveness in me that like if I was going to look the way that I looked I had to be the best at the sport that I was in because that helped me justify and other people justify why I looked the way I looked because I am more on the like muscular side and so I think that definitely carried over very much so into college about my body and like you come to college and everyone's like skinny and we're in Los Angeles and everyone's like in bikinis going to the beach and I was like okay I'm this isn't this is weird um so those standards definitely like cause a lot of um, insecurity in myself but um I think I've come to realize that because I've always been the same weight like no matter what I do like I just kind of have to accept what I am right now and so that didn't come until probably the past like five six years where I've just been able to be more comfortable with the way I look and now it's like I said earlier like I'm just kind of comfortable with my style and like my makeup and everything and like uh, most importantly the way that I look because yeah I I I can't lose or gain a fucking pound (laughs) I think the saddest part about like highlighting your insecurities is well for me personally is when I look back at photos and I'll remember like the thoughts that I had in that moment and I'll think why was I so insecure about how I looked when in hindsight like I looked fine and I really should have been enjoying the moment and so insecurities are really hard but I think it goes back to that what I find beautiful which is confidence and finding that ability to be outside of yourself and like live in the moment and embrace everything about who you are. I guess this also opens up a conversation for self-esteem and maybe some issues we've we've had with self-esteem in the past or that we're dealing with now and and or how that has transformed how we've overcome it or how we're working on having more self-esteem. Um, For example, I think a big root of my self-esteem was how my clothes fit on me. And I just realized, like, you know, your body, well, except for Mia, your body (laughs) changes all the time. And if you're wearing something that's too small, it's not a like that you used to fit, but you don't fit now. That's not a bad thing. That literally just means you're growing, which is what you do throughout life. So 
I kind of had to let go of that idea that, oh, I don't fit this anymore because I got bigger. It's, oh, I don't fit this anymore because I grew. And growing is, like, always a good thing, you know? So We love growth. Exactly. We, we love growth. So we stand growth. <laughs> so I think for me, a big step towards, like, more acceptance of how my body's changing is literally just buying new clothes. Like, I think part of me doesn't want to buy new clothes because I'm really cheap. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can probably wear this for another X years, but I'm not going to feel good in it. It's not going to look good on me. So I think... Definitely just buying new clothes, more age-appropriate clothes. Sometimes I feel like I still dress like a college student. And I think, as I mentioned before, I would always wear things that accentuated how, like, thin I was. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, it's better to leave people wondering. Like, I don't need to wear these these clothes that literally show you what I look like, basically, with no clothes on. So I think that's also a transition for me. Like, I think one of the icons of this is Billie Eilish. She wears very baggy clothes. And... It's because she doesn't, you know, she's like, what, 17, 18? She doesn't want people to, like, sexualize her. and She just wants people to see her for her. So she just wears these really baggy clothes because at the end of the day, like, it's really no one's business what you look like. So I think that's another thing I, I try to remind myself is it's really no one's business what I look like underneath my clothes. For me, a big hurdle of self-esteem that I still currently work on today is this constant need to compare myself to others. I'll just look at someone and think, why can't I look like that? Have that fashion, have that face, have that body. And so that constant self-criticism is what ultimately brings me down. And getting over that hurdle is not something, anything I can do externally, but more focusing on what I care about. If I want to be 50 pounds skinnier will that make me happy and as someone who has lost a lot of weight gained some of it back the answer is no for me so i just am overcoming that constant need to compare myself by really asking myself what i value and what means the most to me in my life because ultimately it is my life and other people can't control that and other people really shouldn't be my standards shouldn't be influencing the standards for myself I think my road to accepting the way that I look today has it's been up and down. Um, I think, I hate to say this, but like, I think a big step of me accepting the way that I look was like getting into a relationship and being with someone who accepted me the way that I look because prior to that, I hadn't had that. And I think just having that little bit of reassurance from someone who like, I mean, it's a relationship, so they're choosing to be there. And for them, accepting you for the way that you look kind of gave me the confidence to accept myself for the way that I look because clearly if it didn't matter to this person that I'm in a relationship with, then, like, why should it matter to me? And it didn't come easy. Like, I remember, like, when we first started dating, I would always put on makeup. Like, I, I had to be seen with makeup, and I had to, like, look cute all the time. And then, like, the first time I didn't wear makeup and he didn't say anything, I was like, oh. Maybe this is okay. Um, and it kind of just progressed from there where it's like, and I know I, I shouldn't put my acceptance on somebody else, but it does help with that little bit of confidence to know that other people aren't going to like notice the first thing you change and point and laugh just to know that like someone that cares about you cares about you no matter whether you wake up with makeup or not. Um, that's important. And so I feel like that was the first step for me. And then the second step for me was just knowing one, that I was healthy, because I think there's a lot of ways to lose weight that are unhealthy, and just the fact that I was healthy at my current weight, like, 
gave me a lot of reassurance and that I could still do all the things that I love. So like for, I talked about this in a prior episode, like this year I ran a half marathon, something I never thought I would be able to do. And I didn't lose a single pound from that whole, like six months of training, didn't lose a pound, but didn't gain a pound either. But I just realized like, if this is where my body wants to be at this weight and I still can do all these things that I want to be doing that are healthy for me, then it's just... It just is what it is, and I just have to accept it for what it is and kind of, like, adapt from here. So, yeah, it's been up and down, but I think I think your body just knows where it wants to be, and that's okay. I think it's also important to note that weight is literally the effect that gravity has on your body. That number on that scale means nothing. and Okay, it means some things, but if you are healthy that number is not that important and you know you could see someone who's really thin or has that ideal body that you want but I had a friend who was very skinny um and she went to the doctor and the doctor basically told her like verbatim you have the insides of an obese person so she was just eating like she was eating like crap and she didn't she didn't work out or anything but she thought oh I look the way I want to look so this is fine but it's really not fine so Really, like the takeaway from, I feel like from what we're saying is just listen to your body and know that like you just look the way you look. Like genetics are a huge, take a, a huge role in how you look. And when you just accept that your body is simply a vessel for your soul, then I think you'll be a lot happier. That was beautiful. And on that um, little philosophical note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, so, you know, we, we went through a lot of topics. We went through asian versus american standards what we each find beautiful our different skincare and makeup routines and finally we went through some you know more personal things like our insecurities but i think at the end of the day it's just important to remember that beauty is very subjective and all you have to do is change your point of view to really find the beauty in everyone and yourself make Thanks. sure to follow us on our instagram yappyhour.podcast Leave us any comments, um, suggestions for future episodes, and feedback you may have. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.